0: Well, Joe Oliver must be wishing he never heard the name Amanda Lang. He's still getting pasted for comments he made to Amanda on budget night about who'd end up paying for the cost to the Treasury of TFSAs. And the Prime Minister has been left trying to defend him. Here's the Finance Minister from Tuesday and Stephen Harper from today.
1: Well, I heard that by 2080 we may have a problem. Well, why don't we leave that to... Uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper's granddaughter to solve that problem.
0: So when someone says that look, the TFSAs are going to accumulate hundreds of millions of dollars, that's not a problem. That's exactly what they are supposed to do. It's the mentality of the opposition, the liberals and the NDP, that some, because somehow that money is in the economy instead of being in government where it can be used for all kinds of special government spending schemes, that that's somehow a problem. Andrew, Chantel and Bruce are all here in studio tonight. How damaging was this and how long does it
2: last? Andrew. Uh, it's a dumb comment. It's an even dumber controversy. We are not going to run out of money in 2080 because we made a small tax change here. The revenue what loss, whatever it may be over that time, can easily be made up over time from other sources if need be. We're not, you know, the government hasn't outlawed taxes or tax increases ever for the next several decades. That being said, it was a stupid way for him to phrase it. They will get a couple of days of bad press out of it. I don't think in the long run it's going to be that damaging. You don't think you'll see that in an ad campaign? We may, but it's, it, I don't think it hits people where they live. It, may, it makes him look foolish. I don't think, it, I don't think Mr. and Mrs. Kanagot looks at that and says, oh, my heavens, my, my fortunes are being affected by this. Chantelle?
3: Hmm. It helps the opposition frame the budget as tax cuts that advantage the rich. And Canadians are used to being told the choices are being made and they're used to normally being told that uh, tax breaks or whatever spare money should go to people who need it most. I don't think the comment itself is damaging, although it ensured that Mr. Oliver disappeared from the House of Commons uh, ever since then. But I think the notion that you're... This is a tax break for people who have ten or $20,000 to spare if they're a couple at the end of the year. That is something that Canadians can fathom. And I don't think that the government wants the budget to be framed as uh, tax breaks for the rich, people who are likely to vote Conservative. And the politics of budgets are not about the big picture. They're always about the little thing that sticks out. And Mr. Oliver has helped to make that stick out and that's not what the government wanted. Yeah,
0: it was what you were saying the other day. It always turns out to be some little thing that you weren't banking on, right? And for them, this is not what they wanted the budget to be about, or at least the post-budget discussions. Yeah, Bruce.
1: Well, I think for the Conservatives, this is a reminder that they've given their most important portfolio to one of their very weakest communicators. The fact that the Prime Minister went out today and had to deal with this question um, you know, I sensed a little frustration in his voice in the way that he was dealing with it. So it was kind of an obvious. There was an obvious rebuttal, and he made it, and it's a relatively good rebuttal. Um, I guess I think for the the comment itself probably won't have any lasting impact. In part because I think it's not really in the Liberals or the New Democrats' interest to prolong the debate about this. It's certainly acceptable for them. I think for most Canadians who don't use uh, the limit of the uh, of the uh, of what's available now. It's acceptable for the opposition parties to say, we wouldn't go ahead with this. We have something else on offer. But the last point is the most important one, which is the opposition parties have to get on with now saying, just ignore that budget because we've got something better to put on offer, and here's what it is.
3: But they shouldn't rush so much that they don't let this fester for the short days Mm -hmm. that it will fester. And that, from the opposition standpoint, is nice and if it's nice for the opposition, that is not what the government wanted. It wanted child benefits to be up front and centre and balanced budget, and they got off message.
0: Um, you mentioned where the, the Prime Minister was out there having to, to defend this. Uh, he was in Winnipeg today, and you saw in that, the pictures, the, you know, the kind of props behind me. He was in a furniture cabinet-making uh, location, and he held a news conference. He also tried to frame what he thinks should be the ballot question. Uh, in the election coming in October, watch this. And that's what the next election is going to be about. Do you want to keep the things this government put in your pocket, or do you want to let Mr. Trudeau and Mr. malcare
2: take them away? And I don't think Canadians are going to support that. Okay, he looks like he's he's ready to hit the trail with that line. Yeah, and he's he's not entirely wrong. I mean, the election will be about a lot of other things as well. But there's no doubt that the Conservatives and the, and the opposition have very different approaches here. And the conservative approach absolutely is to put more money in the hands of uh, Canadians in, in general rather than to spend it through government agencies. And the opposition is going to say, no, we're going to take back the uh, increase in the tax-free savings account in, in the Liberals' case, uh, we're going to take back, take back income splitting, and there's going to be constituencies, not every Canadian, but constituencies that will not be pleased by that. And that, that's fair enough. These are democratic choices and, and honorable positions on both sides, but they are choices.
1: Well, if, if you're an undecided voter and you're listening to what the Prime Minister just said there, that's a reasonably compelling argument. You know, he's put on the table that there's going to be tax cuts, there's actually going to be checks showing up in a lot of households, and the other parties have said, we're not going to do all of that. Um, but in what he said, there's also a limitation on what he can campaign on. In effect, he's saying, we've told you the best that we can do, and that's it. And so it creates a lot of space for other parties to say, yes, yeah, some of that you'll get. But here's what else you'll get if you look at us. And so I think the prime minister probably imagines that's pretty good campaign theming for today, but I suspect it won't be good enough when the going gets, you know, more rigorous in the campaign.
0: All right, I want to talk a little bit about Ontario, a little bit about Alberta. You like budget lockups so much, Andrew, you attended your second one. <laughs> today you were in Ottawa 2 days ago, today uh here in Toronto. So the key question is do the reporters who cover the blockups in Ontario get fed better than those who are covering the lockups in Ottawa, Peter?
2: And what was a metaphor for? Uh, no, it's they—they uh, it, they are, they are. You get better lunch in the. Uh, you don't night. accept those, do you? I mean, I, you pay for that. I, right? I wrestled my conscience in the night.
0: <laughs> okay, all right, um, but in terms of what happened today, let's face it. Ontario represents federally. More than a third of the seats that will be up for uh, stake in, in October. So something that happens today in a major way and in terms of a budget, even though it's just provincial, ca- can have an impact later down the road. Did anything that happened
2: today, can you see that having that impact? I think so. I mean, I had a strong sense of deja vu, frankly, not just because there were two budgets, but they were because they were so similar. I mean, you had the same message of, of sort of modest restraint, uh, same emphasis on infrastructure spending, the same uh, tax giveaways to the manufacturing sector because they're special. A lot of similar policies, similar rhetoric, and it seems to me if, if, if we do get into a fight about economic policy and the opposition is saying, for example, you should be doing more stimulus, you should be spending more stimulus money, I think uh, Harper can turn around and say, well, tell it to Kathleen Wynne because basically we're both in a kind of a mild restraint mode rather than a stimulus mode.
3: But it's also then good news for the Liberals, because if Stephen Harper turns around and says the Liberals would want to spend like drunken sailors, and they would have deficits. uh, What Andrew is saying about the Ontario budget doesn't go in that direction. I think it's probably more simplistic than that. The Liberals under Paul Martin federally had to campaign after Dalton McGuinty imposed a health levy, and all they heard about at the doorstep in Ontario was the health levy that Queen's Park was imposing. I don't see in that budget anything like that, the kind of, of red flag that will hit the federal party at the door because they will campaign first. And I think on that basis, they're probably uh, in Trudeau's office relieved uh, that the Ontario budget is the way it is.
1: Bruce? I think the implications are important potentially for the federal Liberals. I think that the win uh, Liberal Party here in Ontario campaigned on a kind of a hope and growth message rather than austerity and to protect you from uh... risks that sort of thing and so the question is whether or not that uh... the optimism that allowed her to be elected is going to be sustained or whether skepticism about her being able to meet her deficit timetable is going to grow over time because i think there is a real risk for justin trudeau if people see him as being somebody who won't be able to balance the budget the way prime minister harper has been able to that'll be a problem for him He's already declared that that's what his goal is, uh, that's what his intent is going to be. And uh, some eyes, anyway, will be on whether or not the Ontario government looks as though it can achieve the timetable that Ms. Wynne laid out. But, but we won't know that, though, by the no. time... Like, no, it may
2: well be that they're being too complacent about it, and they've certainly left on, Ontario exposed if we get a recession or an increase in interest rates, but that's probably not going to happen between no, now and I, I
1: agree with you. that October. We won't know that. It's more, I guess, a question of whether or not people hearing the numbers today and the timetable will say... That sounds plausible enough and good enough for me, and I think probably that will be the case so far anyway.
0: All right, Alberta. The last time uh, there was a provincial election there, um, we all got a little wary about polls, especially in Alberta, because it seemed to be indicating, not all of them, but a fair number of them, that the Wild Rose Party was going to win that campaign and the PC Party would end its long dominance in that province. Didn't turn out that way. The PCs won, they've had their problems since then. Uh, now Jim Prentice is Premier calls a budget calls an election following it supposedly riding high in the polls now the polls seem to suggest and his actions seem to suggest uh, that he may be in trouble so what's the lesson there for federal politicians watching what's unfolding in alberta
3: Schoenke. that's that the best laid plans do not always lead to the foreseeable result. I don't know if the polls are right or wrong, but I can see that this is not the battle that the Conservatives had planned or not the one that you would have expected based on the sequence of how this happened. You eat up your main opposition party, you come up with a budget, and then you get coronated. And I think there's a message there for every party. It's probably good news for the opposition parties federally because what that says is if you're going to declare them dead, just make sure that uh, you're right because (laughs) here again is the lesson that whoever you kill tends to resuscitate
1: well I think for a while now in Canada incumbents have been kind of feeding off the success of other incumbents Uh, And so I agree with Chantel in the sense that for the federal conservatives, there's a little bit of a warning message here that incumbency may look as though it's working for you and then things might happen that cause uh, uh, that to come adrift. I do think there's something kind of unique in Alberta where there has been a restlessness for change for some long period of time, but people seem to always want their neighbor to vote for a new party rather than do it themselves. And it's also the case that in Alberta, people who want change can't agree on what kind of change they want. Some want a, a change a little bit more towards the left, some want a little bit more towards the right. Uh, the one thing I would say about Brian Jean is that he's been quick and clear about um, social conservatism and that it would not be his intention to legislate that. Uh, Daniel Smith had the same point of view, but her party rebelled. I'm not sure in their weakened state um, that that's going to happen to Brian Jean, and, it, and his fiscal doctrine is something that a lot of Albertans will take quite seriously and like.
2: I was out there a week ago and there two messages I took back. was One was nobody trusts the polls. Uh, <laughs> so even though there was six polls showing the to- Tories in terrible trouble, everyone seemed to think eventually people will go back to daddy. But the other thing that people said was it's not just the budget. Everyone's talking about the budget and how that would create different groups of dis- disaffection. It was the Wild Rose play. It just looked too clever by half. And obviously the Wild Rose people paid a price for it. They didn't get nominated. But it's also apparently uh, hurting the Conservatives. And remember, uh, you know, Jim Prentice was supposed to come in as, I'm, I'm the change agent. I, I, I know we, we built up a reputation for arrogance and ethical shortcuts, et cetera, but I'm going to be the guy who changes all that. And then you do this very high-handed thing, on top of which you then call an election a year before you're supposed to by law. Mm. I just think it all adds up to people you know, sort of looking at them sideways. All right.
0: Good conversation. We made it all interesting. Fascinating as usual. Thank you all.